Hello lovely listeners, I'm Jyoti and you're listening to the People's History Podcast. Today, we are back with episode 2 with Ms. Rose from Man. Hi Rose! Hi! Hi everyone! Yeah. yeah, so now you can go ahead and tell us about your stories from Aman. Okay, so I was telling you about the differences between Damascus and Aman. Uh, as a child, now I'm gonna tell you about uh, it as a grown up woman who living in Amman for entire like uh, 15 years of uh, teenager and adult and university. Uh, so uh, Amman is uh, like one of the capital that uh, gather a lot of people in the same place. So a lot of refugees, but not uh, and immigrant, international uh, workers live in Amman. People from other cities in Jordan, they all live here. Uh, most of Palestinians they live here. Uh, Libya, uh, Iraqi, Syrian, Lebanese, uh, um, like European, all of them they live here. So this this thing give an Amman as an mixed cultures. So uh, the, the community turned from the traditional one to a more modern. So uh, no gossip, no one will uh, ask you anything or like try to, uh, to pardon your uh, freedom. So you, you live the way you like to live. So no effect or not 100%, but it's uh, much less than than the, com- the traditional uh, community. So it's more like modern. So people uh, do whatever they want uh, and they can more freely than what I uh, in uh, Damascus, for example. So it's less conservative uh, and more varieties. Uh, this is the one of the things that I really like uh, in Amman and uh, I, I, this is one of the things that I really want uh, people started to be more open-minded, start to uh, uh, to speak with the, the tourists in Amman, uh, try to do something new, so they are not very curious about others' life. Uh, this is, you will not see it in other cities in Jordan or in Damascus. Now the thing is maybe different in Damascus, but uh, as much as I know, it's it's better in that uh, in that area uh, here in Amman. In Amman. Uh, but uh, the thing that uh, D- Damascus is one of the oldest uh, living areas in the in the world. So you see buildings like uh, back to three to three thousand BC or something like this or two. I forget, but it it's uh, like uh, three thousand or two thousand years old. So you you are uh, you are seeing uh, uh, history, culture, people like uh, uh, very old, and everything is ancient and incredible. And Amman is more modern. Uh, before twenty years, you could uh, not see everything that you see now in Amman. It's really new. Uh, the oldest thing in Amman, it's maybe like 200 years old or f- maximum 500 years old. So uh, I, uh, so they are two different. Uh, I love them, bo- I love both of them. I have a friend there. I have a family here. Um, uh, so this is the, this is the main thing you could see. Wow. And so right now, 
much of your family they have almost moved away from the eastern banks of river jordan to amman then right uh, yes but not to amman uh, they uh, they are still in jordan valley okay. uh, and so you have a house yeah okay uh, we have a farm in jordan valley uh, because my father is uh, agriculture and my brother as well so we have uh, farms in uh, jordan valley my my brother is working there now so our farm is just 1 kilometer away from the jordan valley from the jordan river sorry so we go there every friday so for the weekend and we stand there in one of the mountains so you see the uh, uh, bisan called the other uh, the other bank uh, or the other side of west mm-hmm. of the jordan river we could see people we could see the uh, israeli army as well the israeli jeeps everything so it's really close so my oldest uh, uncles they still live there Uh, uh but they like uh, they settle more they build the new houses they uh, buy a new farms and that's it other family in erbid in the north of um, jordan and my father here in amman because uh, our university and uh, his work as well so yeah so your father is that with the university He's like kind of a professor. He's like an expert, or uh, no, no, no. Uh, sorry, uh, maybe I'm misspelling uh, this. But because we studied in the university, so he wanted to stay. We uh, we stay all together. So anyone got uh, my uh, my brother and I and my sister went to the Jordan uh, University, uh, and my youngest sister still studying there. So he wants. Uh, her to uh, to study in a, a like a near the house like we don't okay. uh, he he doesn't like the idea that you you have to travel to another city and for studying so to live in amman is a kind of uh, near everything is the capital the where he works and where the his uh, kids want, uh, go to school and university so it's easy for him that's why he came from damascus to amman not to other place in Jordan okay. and so, and he's like an agricultural specialist he studied agriculture in university of jordan and he, yes and he continue master as well in university of jordan he now uh, part of the uh, consultant in the, in the agriculture fa- faculty in jordan university okay and he also i remember you telling me once that he also went abroad for his education Uh, sorry he yeah i kind of remember you telling me uh, once that yeah. your father went abroad for his education yeah after he uh, f- uh, finished his uh, bachelor degree he took the scholarship to uh, slovak uh, or not to slovak sorry to serbia which is what, which was uh, remind me of the name which is yeah, yugoslavia uh, yugoslavia, yugoslavia? Yes, I, al- yeah. i always forget yugoslavia i'm sorry but uh, yeah. it's very old for me okay So he went to Serbia uh, now, and uh, he uh, learned Serbian in that time, and worked with them. So it was like a kind of a scholarship, a scholarship because he does he's the second one in the best student in the faculty. So uh, this uh, this was his first travel uh, abroad. Wow, Then, that's amazing. That's really- Yeah, go yeah. ahead. 
yeah when when you look at uh, like when you look through his uh, like uh, 20 or 30 years he he came to jordan he was one year one week uh, old and then he uh, and you see the the progress and where is he now you could I, like i imagine all the palestinian in his story and uh, he's not the only one but i know that uh, this story step by step so i really feel it and now when anyone i when and when i see any palestinian who really work hard or uh, like uh, achieve his dream i really feel it because i know it was it wasn't easy to uh, to to achieve it or to to be where he is now and the same now i feel the same thing for the syrian refugees in uh, in europe and for yemeni refugees and for all refugees it wasn't easy for all of them to to, to travel to europe or to turkey or wherever and to study and to learn a new language and to succeed in a time where everyone looking at you as a refugee or as a criminal or something like this and uh, in the middle of uh, social media were trying to just focus on the bad thing that this refugee steals something and this refugee is uh, robbed like a lot of um, negative image about this uh, refugees but now for like uh, for example the the first refugee pilot she's a female in UK she she took her first ride before like a month so these stories it's like it started from below zero not from zero even to uh, to achieve their dream so uh, so this is yeah the, and so the girl who flew the plane she's from Syria yeah she's from Syria wow. in UK now Jeez, okay. yeah. so, that's amazing. And so right now when you are working with the refugees in Jordan, so what does your work entail? Can you tell us the situation of the refugees there or how you interact, how you live right now? Yes. So uh, how I live or how the refugees I work with live? Yeah, everything. Okay. So Okay, thank you. So um, I I worked with the um, uh, psychological support uh, for uh, children after trauma as an assistant. So uh, so we do like a program uh, for like, music, telling them stories, teaching them something new. The same project I worked in Gaziantep in Turkey with the refugees so uh, um, the the thing that uh, children some of the children they come here they saw everything they saw the the bombs they saw the army they saw everything so they have kind of a trauma so we help them to uh, to try to express their emotion to speak up uh, and at the same time to uh, to deal with the, their inner issues or inner feelings uh, by yoga, sport, uh, music, as I, tell, I told you, and uh, telling stories and some like uh, activities that they help them express this. And then uh, here, this this group of uh, children, I uh, they were living in Amman. Uh, in a kind of uh, a good situation, not very good, but it's fine. Uh, house uh, and like the basic thing, but still people like supporting them. And uh, there is one of the 
organization as well supporting them i worked with the refugees were in camps which is sorry uh, okay so i worked with the children uh, some of them live in the city like in uh, normal houses they have the basic things which is somehow good and other organization they help them with other stuff and i worked with the uh, refugees who uh, live in camps and they are not like a formal uh, camp like a zaatari or it's like a, it uh, run uh, we call it random camp it's not organized and they build their own camps and they they help themselves with everything uh, in madaba a city uh, south amman uh, and uh, actually the jordanian farmers who live there help the refugees a lot by giving them a space in the farm to build their uh, camp and work in the uh, in the farm uh, the bad thing that uh, the basic thing the basic hygiene uh, is not available children especially girls and boys in the same situation they cut school by the age of 13 uh, so um, uh, the school is somehow far and their father they don't they they don't uh, believe in school and they don't want their children to go to school so the whole children girls and boys go to farm to work so we we face a lot of problem uh, uh, to convince the the families to to go to school and to convince them not to uh, let their children work at the same time so this is the one of the worst thing in, for refugees in Jordan so I worked with them to teach them in their camps uh, Arabic uh, language, uh, math, and uh, psychological support, uh, and how, like in general, like how to uh, to to express your uh, feelings, uh, how to speak, and uh, how to treat uh, like to treat people, to treat yourself, and uh, I start to figure a lot of uh, things. And a lot of really traumas. They didn't. They like no one recognized that. But unfortunately, I I just like um, refer their cases to one of the organization, one of the big organization that I cannot tell the name. But they didn't yeah, do sure. anything. So the thing that uh, uh, I cannot walk alone. I cannot help them. Like uh, at the end, I'm an assistant, um, but not a psychological psychologist. Sorry, or not a specialist. So I need uh, some other help to help me. So the thing that I I love children. I can really uh, play with them. I can take their uh, trust. They can trust me really good. So they tell me everything. After like two weeks, they come to tell me every tiny details in their life, their, in the in the time that their moms they don't know this. Uh, so this is uh, really a thing that I love to work, and they love to work with the children. But the idea that you alone cannot work, and uh, you need a uh, specialist help, you need an uh, really a uh, psychologist room to help these children. But there is no like such a thing now here. That's it. So, and when you have undergone all this, and uh, do you in a way think that in Syria, where you live, the condition there is like even worse than, let's say, the refugee camps in Syria? 
they, yeah. the situation they might be even worse than in Jordan? Uh, actually, no, uh, because uh, um, the, uh, so the, there is two parts. One part before the revolution and the other part after the revolution. Before the revolution, the, uh, the Palestinian, uh, they didn't take, an, until now, they didn't take the passport or the nationality of Syria. So they have only the uh, Palestinian paper or uh, document to prove they are Palestinian. So this is one of the worst documents in the world that any, any holder could face a lot of things. I will tell you now the thing, but before the revolution, uh, it was not very bad. Uh, the camp was uh, like a, a normal houses. Uh, it worse than other things, but it's not the, as a worse as to live in a, a tent or in a real camp. Uh, they uh, actually, to be honest, I didn't live in the camp. I just saw it once, but I know uh, I know the situation after the, uh, the revolution more than before. But before, you could say that it's fine, they were living fine. Uh, they didn't take the, the nationality because uh, the, the president, the first one, said uh, uh, that uh, if we give them the nationality, they will lose the right to return back to Palestine, which is one of the most important rights in, in a Palestinian life, which is the right to return back to Palestine. So he doesn't want them to lose it. And that time was good, fine, but uh, later it was really disaster. Because uh, when the Palestinian Syrian come to Jordan with the, with the Syrian refugees, the Syrian refugees went to a camp like a Zaatari in the north. But uh, the Palestinian Syrian refugees uh, uh, went to a Cyprus city which, what is Cyprus City? It's in a building with uh, five uh, levels, or, uh, like um, uh, uh, 100 or like less than this uh, families live together. They have only an area with three kilometers with mosque and this building only to live. They cannot walk, they cannot, they cannot go out of this uh, area. They um, uh, they surrounded by the uh, Jordanian army. So this is the one of the worst thing in the world that to, because you are a Syrian Palestinian, you cannot go with the other refugees, which is their situation is bad, but you are worse than this. So it's lack of any any kind of humanitarian rights. And uh, uh, this uh, until now now. Um, they have been like 10 years. Uh, a lot of people worked a lot to uh, take them out of there, but no one could do anything. So this is one of the things that really hurts me because and for everyone to be a Syrian is an, uh, like a bad thing, but to be an Assyrian Palestinian is even worse. It's like, a, it's really bad. And especially if you come from this order. Okay. So, uh, if we want to, talk, uh, this is uh, some of the Palestinian uh, 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 issues or case after the revolution. But uh, the Palestinian who uh, who uh, went to Europe is something else. They are better than here. But I'm talking about the people who came here and who went to Lebanon. The thing that is really worse than here. So. 
it's not because be, uh, I don't know, but uh, in, in general, to be a refugee is not a good thing. But uh, to be double refugee, it's uh, it's really worse. So this is the situation for Palestinian Syrian refugees. And uh, the camp was uh, the camp. Sorry, called uh, Yarmouk camp in uh, Damascus. Uh, uh, they face a lot of uh, things through the revolution, uh, like an um, uh, uh, sorry. Um, like Daesh were there, ISIS were there, a lot of uh, these uh, groups was there. They they cut them out of, they cut out water and food for days. A lot of people die because of the, because of hunger. So, uh, so this is part of the situation. Okay. And Rose, when you speak about you like you're seeing all this in your everyday life and yet you have to come back and live back with your own self at yeah. the end of the day so how does it go on with you actually i asked this i asked this question to myself when i were in turkey where the city where we were in the border so it's like this it's very hard so the thing that uh, you should amuse these children, you should make them happy, laugh and play, but you are dying inside. So I, I actually, I control myself in front of them. I never cried in front of any children, in front of any ch- child, sorry. I, uh, I laugh a lot. Uh, we play, I, 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 sorry. I, um, I create a, a, like an image of a very uh, joyful, happy, energetic girl. Then after the, after the thing finished, they go back to home and I start crying as well for like an hour or a half an hour. It was really bad to, li- to listen for all of these and hear for, every- for all of these stories. I really feel every single one. Until now, after two years, I really remember every single story. And sometimes, until now, I cry because they are really... The story you cannot even imagine that would happen to someone, and they they still alive. And here in Jordan, uh, I walked uh, like 30 minutes far from my house, so I used this 30 minute drive to just to relieve, to cry if I feel to cry, and to uh, to to speak to myself. That is like part of the life, uh, and. I, I go a lot, I, so I went and still going through a lot of downs and ups, but at the end I just like uh, try to cut the things because my life is uh, in the, uh, to separate things. And one of the uh, like the first principle in psychological support uh, that to first to psycho- to first aid uh, psychology for yourself, so you prevent like. Um, you cannot uh, like you cannot help them if you are uh, in a bad uh, psychological health or mental health so you should uh, in the beginning uh, to uh, prevent uh, or to um, make yourself safe or to try to separate and uh, to help yourself in the beginning to be in a really very good mental health then try to help them 
other and this is one of the things that encourage me because if uh, I, speak, I I always tell myself that if I'm if I'm in a bad mental health I will not help them so I really be, have to be good and strong for them so it's like a circle so they give me a strength um, in a way or another and I give them happiness and joyful in, in a other way yes wow that is and, really amazing. Yeah, good. Thank you. And uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm a tiny pieces of every uh, child I have uh, worked with or met him. So they build me now. Uh, they build everything. Everyone I learned a lot of them. They are children, but they are really amazing. I like uh, i enjoy just to think about them to speak to them to work with them to see their dreams i try a lot to uh, to keep in touch with them to, with all of them uh, despite everything because i cannot be with all of them some of them now in turkey other and travel so it's not easy to keep in touch with everyone and it's not good for them as well when you cut you have to cut and you cannot go back to them so but I still keep asking their parents about them. So I have both of these kids. Yeah, yeah. you're going. You're no, no, something. no, fine. Same. Go yeah. Ahead. So most of these kids, they tend to move out of these camps after some time, and they go abroad or something. Uh, actually, the some of them, yes, they took the chance or the opportunity to take the asylum. They, they all of them seek asylum through their organization but uh, in Jordan here uh, P- and they uh, sorry uh, they uh, they move from like Madaba to the Jordan Valley in the summer and in the winter they come to go back to Jordan Valley and in winter they come here or the opposite sorry in winter they go to Jordan Valley because it's warmer and in summer they come here because it's cooler so they move a lot so and um, uh, because they all work in farms. This is the situation for the ones who doesn't live in uh, a formal camp. But other people, they cannot move from the camp until they have a legal statement that they can travel abroad, like Canada, USA, or Europe. Mm. And between all this, do you feel that women suffer more as in actually on them yes um, I, I want to be like uh, to, to speak for the two uh, two sides I am a feminist but here I'm trying to not be to be like um, equal uh, so the thing that uh, women here like um, okay we will speak about Syrian and then Palestinian because the situation is different uh, women here they uh, they work beside their uh, husband but in uh, but their husband they don't work anything in the house sometimes and a, a lot of families I see that the man or the father doesn't work anything and let his first uh, first wife second wife and their old children even the six years old child work and he doing nothing just to stay and take their money or like uh, sit and take their money so this is one of the worst thing because women now should uh, work uh, some of them are pregnant uh, look for their children cook for their uh, uh, husband 
and look for everything so the when you see the woman you see like uh, one uh, like if yeah you yeah you cannot imagine the situation it's really hard she works 24 hours seven days so this is one of the things the other thing that a lot of ch- uh, children girls like uh, 13 14 years old 17 years old uh, got pregnant uh, and in the uh, before got uh, married and they didn't want to so they fought them to get married they forced them to get in uh, to uh, to be pregnant sorry and you see their body is not really uh, healthy to bring a child now or to be to even be pregnant plus all of this they work as well and uh, their husband got married again and the second and the third and the fourth uh, wife so it's really uh, it's really harsh for a woman do everything then her man go and marry another one so uh, and for the girls and the, they cut school early yeah, they they have to get married yeah this is the situation that cutting the school uh, no education no life you have to get married you have to bring bring children and you still 17 or 16 she didn't see anything right just this uh, calm and this uh, this man who maybe be uh, older than her like uh, 10, 15 years, something like this. So this is one of the the, uh, the girls and women face really bad things and situation. Yeah, and these were the Syrian side, right? Uh, the Syrian side. Just, yeah. yeah and the, the Palestinian side. Yeah. So uh, we don't uh, we don't get married early. All of us, not for me only. No. Uh, mostly, we don't have uh, like one person maybe got married early, but it's not popular at all. Uh, the second, the second thing that we like uh, to educate our uh, children. So most of the girl, even if the father was really uh, poor and doesn't have any money, they tend to teach their children to uh, uh, to uh, to to sign them in the schools, and later they work and go to university. In university, a lot of students, Palestinian, work and study in the same time, or there is a special organization, uh, NGOs or like uh, sorry, not NGOs, national, not international. So yes, um, uh, um, sorry. Um, uh, try to support them, try to fund them with their studies. So uh, and so most of the girls, they study, uh, they got married like uh, 22, 21, 23 in this age, which is like she finished her bachelor degree, then she got married. Uh, uh, but for the boys on the other side, not all of them went to uh, go to uh, university, especially. Some of them start work earlier, so uh, and other continue to uh, university. So it depends, but the percentage is higher than the other. But uh, we have to keep in our mind that uh, Palestinian refugees now they have like 60 years, 70 years in Jordan, so they are settled more than the Syrian refugees. So it's like just 10 years. Uh, I hope really the situation will be better. Uh, I'm not telling that I don't want to people to misunderstand me. I'm not telling all the people are like this, but it's this situation in Jordan and in camps. 
but I have tell, uh, t- told you in the previous episode that uh, a lot of people who travel to Europe, no, they study and they tend to have a better life. But uh, and uh, like the girls that I'm teaching them, or I used to teach them in the camps, their dream is to be in a university. Their dream to study, and they are really smart and they are really good at school. But all the circumstances, all the thing around them, their fathers, their brother, this they the men thing they control everything. So they don't let them to to continue their education. But this doesn't mean that they are not smart or they, if they took the chance, they will do better. And I hope the situation will be better as the Palestinian. Now the situation is better, but not the best thing. Okay, and you are saying that you would then tell us about your feminist perspective about yes. these matters? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a feminist, but I am uh, like, I try to see the thing from both sides. So uh, people sometimes misunderstand me because you are a feminist, you only see the woman's side. But no, this is not true. Like I'm a feminist and I see both sides. When I see uh, this, the idea is that I'm with the people, so the human rights. So if I see a man under violence or under any bad situation, I will stand by, the, by him. But here, uh, we have the percentage of women who uh, face violence, who face injustice, who face really bad situation. They are the women, more than men. We hear, we hear every day, every day, a uh, case that women uh, uh, got, got killed or got uh, hurt or yeah, like faces uh, really bad violence, like a high level of violence by their men. But we, we hear one story or one case in a year for a man uh, faced violence by his uh, uh, woman or his wife. So the situation is like, force you to look more about women and to stand by, uh, by their right and by their uh, side. But this doesn't, uh, this doesn't mean that I'm only with women. No, I'm with, with justice wherever with a man or a woman. But I'm uh, in the same time, like I feel like, uh, and I see uh, women needs more uh, care, more eyes and more, uh, because the whole system, the whole situation is mainly uh, our minimalism or support them. The whole, uh, the, uh, the country role by men, the, 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 um, the rules, the law, everything role by them, even the religion role by them, men. So no, now in this situation, I have to be a feminine. It's a must to be a feminist now and to to ask for my own uh, rights and for other women rights and for everyone rights as well. But uh, you know that the situation is uh, going to the woman's side. That was really powerful and really <laughs> empowering what you just said right now. Yeah, it's because it's something that's. I think it's prevalent in much of the world. It is something that, to different degrees, to various degrees, some places it is more harsh for the women, but I guess in general also, throughout the world, the situation is harsh for them. Yes. And do you want to one day? Yeah, go ahead, you're saying something. No, no, I'm just saying yes, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think about the situation right now and think that you also one day want to go back to Syria and see how it is or maybe even live in Syria someday again? 
Do you have any such idea? Yeah, actually, uh, one of my dreams, even now the border are open, I'm like, I'm dying to go there. But the thing that uh, the system, especially the presidents now is like um, very bad. Uh, they can ask you without any reason. They can whatever they want without any reason. So if I, if I got arrested, no one will know where I am. Uh, no, no law will help me to get away from there. And uh, they are very like spontaneous. So they don't care about anything. If they if they if they want to arrest you, they arrest you, and they don't need any reason to do that. Uh, and a lot of Jordanian now, when the prisoners, Syrian Syrian prisoners, especially Palestinian, as a Palestinian, uh, they have an, a part of uh, in in Syrian intelligence called Palestinian part. Everyone see this uh, this uh, section in the Palestinian uh, Palestine section in the Syrian intelligence. They say no, they are now uh, like go to some to unknown, to unknown place. No one in the world will know what happened after this door. What you will feel, what you will face. Uh, sorry, what you will um, face, and if you will see the sun again or not. So the actually. I don't want to go there and get arrested and uh, get my my parent in that trouble just because I want to see. And at the same time, I feel it's very hard to me to see the buildings uh, and uh, uh, like uh, damage to see people uh, to see like a lot of uh, really uh, um, a very strong emotion. It will be emotional actually to to see everything. It's like. The city is not the city that I left, so sometimes I feel like I will uh, leave uh, the um, the image for Syria or for uh, Damascus in my image in my head uh, the same the uh, last the, the last time I saw it. I don't want to update it, even if I see a lot of pictures and videos. But life is different. Else. Okay, and so when you spoke about the intelligence thing, I couldn't actually grasp it. So could you tell us a bit about it? As in, you are you are talking about the Palestinian Syrian refugees. That is, the Palestinian refugees who went to Syria, they have ended up in Syrian jails. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not exactly. Or Jordanian Palestinians. Jordanian Palestinian, yes. Uh, there is Jordanian from Palestinian origin who went to Syria to uh, like uh, after they opened the borders or before they ended up in a prison. Okay, this is the first case. If I'm, if they will treat me as a Jordanian from a Palestinian refugee from origin, sorry. So uh, if they want to arrest you, no one will stop them, and they they don't they don't need a reason, as I told you. So if you are a Palestinian Syrian who used to live there, uh, they have this intelligence section for you, waiting for you there. It's really hard and. Uh, a lot of people went there and uh, like, uh, uh, they are missing now or, or killed. We don't know actually what happened to them. And in general, for Syrian to go to their, uh, to Syrian intelligence, it's like really hard. Until now, after 10 years, there is a, a lot of p missing people, a lot of 
uh, arrested people. So uh, the families, part of them, know that their uh, their children are in the uh, intelligence, and the other part they don't know where even them. So they call them missing because we don't know they are alive or died. So the the system is really one of the worst systems in the world. Bashar al-Assad, uh, one of the like uh, sorry, one of the worst system in the uh, and one of the worst presidents in the world, who killed millions, but and uh, got pres- uh, prisoners like million of prisoners now in the prison. They uh, and uh, a lot of people died under the violence in the prison. And a lot of cases, a lot of people went out and uh, they uh, take their freedom, but they have now uh, even, uh, sorry, uh, either physical uh, issue or mental issue. Some of them, they, they suicide after they, they went out of the prison because they couldn't handle the thing because they saw more than terrible stuff in the prison. So the situation is really... Uh, unknown it's really it's just unknown and now by supporting with the other international forces it's even worse because you got arrested by the you don't know syrian or russian or iranian so okay i get it a bit (laughs) (laughs) it's really it's really complicated but i try to simplify things yeah yeah that attempt and I, I could really make some sense of it like how things are going on and also I would like to come back to the part that you told us apart from being a volunteer you have well, you work also on Jordan's tourism sector right you are starting to have your own Airbnb can yeah. you tell us about your experiences like and what else do you do yes okay so um, I ha- I, uh, uh, I use Airbnb now but I used before couch server so any tourist come to Jordan, I just guide them uh, like a tour guide, <laughs> free to uh, to see to uh, to let them see the old stuff and the downtown of Amman. The thing that the, you will not find them on internet, and other tourists you want to see the real and the local people. So I gave them this experience. We after we have uh, this tour, we go to eat something tradition. I uh, I teach them how to eat. We have different way and how to what's the name of the things and how the things is going. So uh, now I'm in, uh, on Airbnb. Uh, so I give two hours for a t- uh, tourist who come to want to like have a basic conversation in Arabic. I teach them this and uh, one hour for um, like a common things in Jordan and our tradition and culture in details like how to, 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 treat, in, to treat people, to speak to them, the cultures, um, different stuff for two hours. Uh, my new experience now I'm, down, I'm like uh, publishing it is still in a progress is to, uh, to teach them how to play cards which is we have uh, we have a, like a very traditional way to play this card and in winter we play a lot uh, ev- like every weekend we go out with our friends or with our family uh, smoke shisha or nargile and play cards so it's part of culture and i feel like i um, i really love cult- different cultures and uh, traditions 
so I want to know more about others' culture and I want people to come here when they come here to really have a experience on uh, with the local to to feel this thing not to be as a normal tourist no yeah I love traveling by the way but to travel to to meet people more than places places or uh, stones or building will not tell you somehow will tell you a story but not as a, a people So when I travel to Turkey, I travel more uh, for more than 13 or 14 city in Turkey. I met people a lot through Couchsurfer, so I, that's why I, I love this application. I went to the far uh, to the far east to uh, to meet Kurds uh, people, Turkish, uh, uh, wow. like from different uh, from different backgrounds to speak to them. Uh, to eat together so you feel like you are now connected to the place with a story of people because if I didn't meet this, this Kurdish man I will not really feel them so I know the story you will you will read a lot of stories but when you when you see someone or you you speak with someone you will feel it more so now I like I will stand by their uh, by their side when they when they have any issues now. So this is, uh, and when I traveled to Tunisia, I did the same. I I met a lot of people from different cities. I know a lot of uh, stories. I met Amazir. This is one of the best city, the best thing in life. And yesterday is, it was uh, their New Year ceremony. So Happy New Year for them. And it's uh, for if you stay in your country, you will not see everything. Uh, Uh, that's why I love to travel, and when travelers come here, I love to uh, to, to introduce myself and my issue at the same time. So I speak, I sorry, I keep telling them about uh, Palestine and the Palestinian issues, and this has really helped me to for people like I have a lot of uh, friends now. Uh, they didn't know, they didn't uh, know anything about Palestine. Uh, they are, they were pro-Israelian, but now they are more pro-Palestinian, more than me even. So this is one of the things that we have to speak up for our issue and let people know. Uh, because uh, uh, Israel, they have money and they have social media and they control YouTube, Facebook, everything. So when they say that uh, Hamas is uh, Israelian, the European or the people in all over the world will not know that hummus is Palestinian. Our traditional uh, dress, uh, our food, Mujaddara, for example, now they have an, uh, 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 like, um, they teach how to do Mujaddara as an Israeli dish, but no, it's a Palestinian and it will, uh, it will be a Palestinian forever. So this is a part of our, because we are weak in that side, social media and money, so we have to speak for ourselves. We are like I, like, I wish if I could speak to everyone and tell them that this is our food and this is our dress and this is our, our land and this is our houses and people from everywhere. We flee to everywhere. We are, we are now more than 3 million refugees in the world uh, scattered everywhere because someone else come to live in Palestine. Because, and they are not Palestinian, so so this is the the I feel this is my my thing in that this is the my only message 
uh, and it's this is not because I'm Palestinian. This is because uh, the Palestinian issue is more humanitarian, more and uh, a legal right issues. Everyone will think about it or read more about it or think that uh, about the situation from a Palestinian uh, or, um, point of view or from other point of view, like uh, as a humanitarian, you will see this is two part. Two, uh, this is uh, one the occupied the other. It's not. Uh, it's not about uh, uh, the, these stories that are that are using to tell people uh, to tell people about it. They change the history. They change uh, change even Wikipedia. So the, we are losing now. After one hundred years, we are still losing uh, our rights. And this is the the only thing that we have it now. Uh, to speak up for ourselves and try to help to help people to see the thing from other point of view, because I know people are good and all the people that I uh, I told them the story, they changed their mind. They started to think in a different way. I don't want to change their mind, but there is always a, a like a other point of view. The same Armenia and Turkey, Kurdish and Tur- Kurd- uh, Turkish. So. Um, they always two point of views. If I listen uh, uh, from Kurdish, uh, sorry, from Kurdish people, sorry, from Turkish people about the Kurdish, I will help them. I will, uh, I will uh, stand by the other, the, the government to let them out of the, to kick them out of the country. But when I listen to uh, the Kurdish man, I, uh, I, I, I see the situation more clearly. I know, uh, I know now that they have the right to, for something. This is our their land. They ha- so this is this thing you will really after this government and what they are doing, you will not see this in a history book because history is written by the winner for for sure. Mm, so. Yeah. And when That's you said that you met the Kurdish person, where did you meet the person? Uh, As in, you said you east and you yeah, met people yeah. from Kurdistan. So uh, where did you travel to? Uh, he He's not from Kurdistan. He's uh, Kurdish-Turkish, by the way. I met him in Diyarbakir, in the west... Um, in the east part of Turkey, and uh, okay. I, I, like I went to Mardin, uh, Diyarbakir, uh, Tadvan, and all of these are the, with the border with Syria and Iraq. So uh, they, I don't know, but they say that they are Kurdish and Turkish uh, because okay. they live there since ever. They speak Kurdish. Their school was in Kurdish, and they live like in a, in a Kurdish area, and then. The Turkish come and they change their language, their school, and everything. So now they try to, to, uh, and when I when I was there, it was a fight between Kurdish and the Turkish army, and we we saw this fight actually. It was one of the big thing that I uh, life shooting for me. It's like uh, the first time for me to see this thing. But uh, until now, they are fighting for their uh, right and for their uh, pres- uh, presence or like uh, existence in the Turkish uh, government. So the only thing they want or the minimum thing is to have their own language, to be official, to study in their own language. And this is really a big thing to do. And maybe if you give these people their rights, maybe will not be, they will not be really violent. But the social media, again, 
uh, tell the stories about only the violent and um, the these the armed sector of Kurdish, but not telling us about the people, the normal people. The, they don't want to fight. They don't want war. They only want the basic thing that to to uh, to use my language, to educate my children in my language, and to fe- to feel this thing. But not all of them with the war, uh, for sure. Wow. And when you said about the uh, New Year, was that the Tunisian New Year, the Amazigh New Year? Uh, it's not Tunisian, but it's Amazigh, yeah. Amazigh okay. were live in Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco, mainly Mor- Morocco and Algeria. Uh, in Algeria now, 14, I don't know, 14, no, I forget the number actually, but it's really mm. like one million or something like this. Amazigh in, uh, in uh, in Algeria and in Morocco as well. But when I was in Tunisia, I, wa- uh, I was there in the New Year for there, Amazigh, and they have a dance. They were their traditional thing, and they uh, play music, dance, and sing for people for the New Year. So it's one of the good things that I... Um, uh, this is the first time I had the contact with Amazigh people. Then I uh, I have now a friend uh, uh, from Morocco and uh, Tunisia they are Amazigh, so I I know more about this. And Amazigh, one of the people who really resist a lot until now, more than uh, one uh, one years, they are keeping their language, they are keeping their flag, they are keeping their uh, culture as the as it. And now it's an official language in Algeria. Hope to be in the other uh, North Africa countries. Uh, so uh, they accept uh, Arabic language. They speak Arabic now because of Islam. Uh, they are now they are Muslims. They support uh, Islam in that uh, in that uh, time a lot. Uh, they accept Arabic because of it's the language of Quran. So they speak Arabic and Amazigh at the same time. And uh, the Muslim one who went to Maldives to tell them about Islam or to preach Islam, it was a Mazir. So they are celebrating this the ceremony of this because uh, in Maldives because of the Mazir man. So they helped a lot. Oh. They 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 keep their traditions and uh, they respect others as well. So you said Maldives, the island nation. Yeah. Maldives, okay, yeah. wow. Uh, wow, that was fascinating. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, because how they are Muslim, I always ask okay. myself how it's like mm. island in the middle of the sea become a Muslim or something like this. Mm. But before two days, I, I saw them celebrating the the memory of this Amazigh man who come to, the, to Maldives to tell them about Islam. So mm. I'm, I'm not like, uh, I'm not telling that uh, like I'm not a, re- a religious girl, but the mm. thing that when see someone working for his issue, whatever his issue is, something good. Uh, yeah. But the thing that uh, it's it not only for this, the 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 Missouri, they I really fa- uh, amazed by how they keep their language for like for about a lot of time. They speak a lot uh, other languages, so they speak. Um, Arabic and French in the North Africa countries and uh, learn English and then in the same time their own language. 
So uh, whatever happens, they keep their own thing, they keep their own roots. And this is why they are really uh, connected to each other, to the family, to the tribes, to their community. And this is wow. why they resist until now, after like more 2,000 years. Hmm. Uh, and regarding, like I asked you, would you like to go to Syria and you said something and that you would like to, but if the situations change. Similarly, would you like to one day also go back to the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea? All the lands where your yes. ancestors were from? <laughs> this is, yeah, so we always say Palestine is from the river to the sea. This is whole Palestine. This is for sure I want to go back there. Uh, Palestine, like, uh, it's my it's like my homeland, even if I didn't live there, but my roots are there. So uh, for sure I want to go back to Haifa, but uh, if the situation changed, I will not go back and um, at, uh, in, the, in this situation now. After the thing that I'm seeing there, uh, like uh, I, now I feel more like, uh, I, f- I think in more rational way, I prefer to live in a place where they respect you as a human, respect the, your rights, respect your existence, more than to living only on my homeland. So I will not live un- uh, under the occupation system, under the Israeli system, because they are one of the, re- the most racist system in the world. Uh, they uh, they keep Arab lives in a very bad areas and neighborhood, and their Jewish live in other in another uh, neighborhoods as well. They the Arab not work and a lot of things. So I will not ever think that I will live there and bring children there and let them see everything like this. I know it's like um, I feel uh, I I will not. Uh, I will not resist or I will not um, be able actually to see this every day. I, I, I lived more time and now I'm 26. I lived, I saw everything. I really now just need an, uh, a place where I uh, feel uh, free, uh, equal and um, take all my rights to to fulfill myself with my rights and to uh, this is in this way I will may I will feel like I'm alive but uh, and I will not uh, let my children to go through all of these things that I have been so right now do you have any plans to like stay in Jordan forever or one day you want to go to a particular country and live there for like forever and ever happily Actually, I um, my fiance now in Norway, and I'm planning to uh, to move to Norway. And I don't know it, if it will be my uh, I will live there forever. But for now, it will it's a good choice for me. I don't. I sometimes I feel like I'm connected to Tunisia. I really want to when I'm older, uh, like sixty something, to live in in Tunisia on the sea. Uh, uh, but uh, until now, I don't know actually, but for sure not Jordan. Despite I really love Jordan and Amman, but the system is not, and um, I don't feel uh, I don't feel that, that I want to continue here. And well then, that was a great time and a great uh, thing for me to listen to you. You want Thank to tell so something much. more? No, I'm fine. I'm done. Thank okay. you so much for giving well, but me that this was amazing. opportunity. 
you are amazing as well. Thank you so much. You know, a great opportunity for all our listeners to listen to you. Yeah, thank you for everyone. If you reach here, that's now you are one hour and a half of the, my story. Thank you for <laughs> listening. And uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, like, hope to you all the peace and justice in the world. Where are you living now? Okay, well, and Bye-bye. Rose, before you go, yes. would you like to give us any film or book or song recommendation for our listeners? Uh, or maybe a recommendation about uh, your Airbnb service or anything? <laughs> okay, so my name is Rosa Al-Sari. You will, uh, um, Al-Sari is A-L-S-A-R-I. You will find me on Facebook or Airbnb or whatever. I, I don't know if I can suggest a uh, Palestinian song to end up. It's yeah, you can. Okay, it's called uh, Wayne Ala Ramallah. <laughs> mm. okay, How do you so, spell it? Uh, W-E-N space A-L-A then space Ramallah. Whatever. Okay, Wayne Ala Ramallah. Wayne Ala Ramallah, yes. Okay. Wow, and any books or movies for us? Uh, uh, books, okay, so I don't know. Uh, there is a lot of books about the Palestinian, uh, uh, Palestinian issue. Um, actually, uh, <laughs> I don't have any uh, book in my mind now. Uh, but maybe I will suggest not for, for the Palestinian issue. One of the books I, I really enjoyed is uh, 40 Rules of Love. It's, mm. uh, it's about Jalal al-Din al-Rumi, which is Mavlana uh, Rumi, which is uh, mm-hmm. Sufism. It's about Sufism, yeah. but it really helps you to love everyone from the like the one who with the sense the pure one people from everywhere it's uh, it's really amazing and uh, everyone should read this because we need love actually if you if we don't love each other we will not feel each other so maybe this book wow that was nice rose thank you thank so you, much for thank your thank time you so much for being there for us. welcome and see you bye 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 bye. So listeners, I hope you all enjoyed and say and a big thank you to Miss Rose and you can write to us on our mail ID times of at gmail.com. Well then, this is it from here. Bye bye.